0: Clay, in the Star Trek universe, do you think it's possible to invent something and not be morally compromised by your invention somewhere (laughs) down the line? Do you think that all inventions pay a price? Alexander Graham Bell probably went deaf from being screamed into his ear or something like that. Thomas Edison. Zephram Cochran in the Star Trek universe. There's a whole bunch of other. There's uh, every episode that Paul guy with the egg in the third season, third season of C&G <laughs> was another memorable thing. Um, and now we, we meet another guy here. We meet Emery Erickson. Is that his name? I think that's his name. Sure. Inventor of the Transporter. Surprising to you that this is the first time we've met the creator of the Transporter? Well, first of all,
1: I think it's interesting that this, this episode skews so closely to the Alexander Bell story, which is he went to jail after he commandeered a uh frigate Mm -hmm. to try and retrieve his lost son's voice from the (laughs) first telephone that he invented
0: Um, just went so deep in that cave he kept chasing that echo all the way down (laughs) the bear got him at the very bottom of the yes
1: no i have learned from star trek that uh if someone is shows up on your ship and they are an inventor or in a wheelchair do not trust them
0: yeah the wheelchair gives it away the other guy was um we just watched it for uh, the Patreon revisits. We watched the Ultimate Computer, which was a similar mm-hmm. African American, well, or black, I guess, a, a black um, inventor who's haunted by his invention, and this is the same kind of thing. Yeah, I have. They ever mentioned the creator of the no. transporter at all? Like no, this is this is a whole cloth invention for this episode. Yeah,
1: that is. I mean, it's kind of surprising that they've never. Because I think, I guess one of the things that you don't think about until you start doing a show like this where you are in some sort of prequel realm is at what point in human history does the teleporter get invented? Yeah. Because they've only. If Zephyrin Cochran was the first person to break warp speed, that's only like 100 years before this or something. I forget yep. exactly what the timetable is. Yep. And so, and they have the transporter in this, so. I, they seem to imply in this that it was
0: invented then. in parallel because they knew each other and they were working <clears throat> on their projects at the same time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So
1: that's that's kind of it. That hey, uh, one giant leap for mankind right there, inventing the warp drive and uh, the the teleporter at the same
0: time. That's yeah. huge. Although a little bit of retroactive retconning, I guess, going on here because when we started the Enterprise, the transporter was an unknown commodity. They're like, I'm not using that thing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not using that thing. And there were a couple accidents with people getting like rocks stuck in their head as they use the transporter. (laughs) Apparently, they ironed out all the kinks uh, for this episode. But in the context, I guess the warp drive was a better invention at the time because it actually worked. And the transporter was used for moving boxes back and forth. The two
1: things they seem to have ironed out in this season is that the transporter seems to work fine now, and they also have no qualms about killing crew members yeah. anymore. <laughs> after after the Zindi War, it's just like we they we kill them whenever we need to kill them.
0: They're trying to connect it to uh, TOS. That's one way to go about things. All right, so we're going to be talking about Daedalus. I think it's pronounced Daedalus. I spent the afternoon on Google. I would say it's Daedalus, but I think it's Daedalus. Anyway, it's the 10th episode of the fourth season. Came out on January 14th, 2005. It was written by Ken LaZebnik and Michael Bryant, directed by David Stratton in Universe 8. Not specifically known, but it's 2154. In this episode called Daedalus, the inventor of Earth's transporter comes aboard Enterprise for an experiment. I think this is one, Clay. Um, do we just want to get the B-plot? Out of the way. I think this is a podcast that's kind of this is an episode that's built for that in a way. Sure. So the B Pod is tripping to Paul. Would you think a tripping to Paul? Uh, I like that stuff. I I was,
1: I found this stuff more interesting than uh, some of the stuff they've done with them in the past. because I I like that they're not just playing the straight. Uh, now she's broken up with the husband and they can get together card it's it's like it's it feels more realistic what they're doing here that she's got some new priorities that she's kind of tracking down and so she's moving away and he's like yeah i figured this was gonna happen like i, I thought that stuff was pretty good it was it it wasn't it didn't feel as out of place in this episode as the last time they dropped that stuff in which was like in the middle of uh i forget which
0: it must have been I, the it, trilogy. It must have been. the Yeah, I can't yeah. remember
1: if it was the Vulcan trilogy or the, the Augment trilogy, but it felt really out of place. And this one, this one's more of like a laid back kind of episode of the week kind of thing where it makes sense to drop in this side stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I, I, I thought it was pretty good.
0: I think um, the B plot to me sums up what the A plot will eventually do, too, which is that I think that the acting carries a lot of this episode for me. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't mind tripping to Paul. And I wrote down in my notes, I was like, this is the best scene. These are some of the best scenes that these two have had in a long time. It got to the end of it and their like breakup scene at the very end. And I it caught me off guard and it left me wondering if I had been paying attention because I got to that point and I was like, is this really all it's about? Sort of like I, I thought there was like a, something deeper maybe going on and just from their interactions earlier, it seems like there's some kind of a denial thing where like T'Pol is not being truthful about the fact that she's having trouble with her mother. You know, they're, they're like implying all this stuff that's going on and Trip is trying to get to the bottom of it. And then to just have T'Pol come up at the end and be like, listen, I I'm really into this book right now yeah. and I can't, <laughs> I can't do anything outside of that. And to have Trip go like, I know anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'll see you around. Well, that's basically that's basically the same
1: conversation that happens in my house anytime my girlfriend gets a new Terry Pratchett book. And say, okay,
0: <laughs> you're going to be in Discworld for next month. I'll see you. I guess we'll talk when you're done. I guess I was I was caught a little bit off guard by how easy it ended up being to the point where I was like, well, it kind of negated all the earlier scenes because I thought there was something really brewing here that we. I I, I guess I'm. I'm a little bit underwhelmed by their relationship as a whole, even outside of this episode. Well, yeah. Like, I I know what you're saying, but I kind of like that. It's it's low key enterprise, which
1: we tend to like. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I find something different about the fact that, you know, they're setting up in this episode this idea that oh maybe she's not processing the death of her mother and all this other heavy shit and then you get to the end and she's like no i'm fine i've just i've just got new priorities i need to focus so like i don't i found Mm -hmm. that kind of more satisfying than if she had if there had been a scene where she was like, "You're right. I can't process the death of my mother because my culture says that I'm not allowed to feel anything," but in the inside, I'm dying. You know, it's like, okay, sure, we don't need to get overwrought with it. Yeah. I, I there's just I don't know. I found I found something about it sa- fairly satisfying. Yeah,
0: yeah. I especially since I assume I mean assume this isn't the end
1: of their of their story.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. It. I would also assume it has to continue. I. It's one of those things like I, I agree with you that I generally like the subtlety of Enterprise when Enterprise chooses to go subtle or at least like low energy to pay like have a low stakes story. I think that the show generally does that kind of that stuff pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's it's to me I it, it feels part and parcel with T'Pol's entire development since the third season, which is that it doesn't really feel like it's got any juice to anything she does. She she just kind of sure. drifts around between places, and you know they're trying to they're trying to tie in the Kirshara in a way. And to me, highlighting the Kirshara is like it, it brings up all these silly technical nerdy de- details where you're like, they really are going to say the Vulcans changed in less than a generation. Like they completely yeah. just adjust and 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 that sticks out to me. She's just. It's another thing of the Vulcan, like when well, we complained through the entire Vulcan trilogy. The Vulcan belief system is just used as a MacGuffin for things. Like, they, they never, yeah. she doesn't ever have to explain why this new teachings has taught her anything or that it's like the new teachings show her that it's not the time to be with Trip. She just goes, This, this book is really something, you know, and I just don't have the time <laughs> to, to deal with you. And, why? Do, like
1: I, I guess, it's like the, she went. It's like she walked the Freedom Trail in Boston once, and then all of a sudden she's like, you know, the original State House is a marvel, and I really need to learn more about it. <laughs>
0: did, Nobody talks about John Winthrop enough. <laughs> did you? Did you find trips ending believe? I thought trip would be more heart. Like I thought trip, you'd have to play that scene. He pretends to be cheerful, but as she goes down the ladder, he starts to get frowny faced. At that point, you know, yeah, he seems yeah. positive about the whole thing. And was he just waiting for her to be like, "I can't do anything"? He goes, "I know, I could have said it, but I was waiting for you to say it in the first place." <laughs> I know, I was just ribbing
1: you. I knew you. I knew. Like, what you, what's, he, what's he? What's he waiting for? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. That is kind of interesting, because I, because yeah, I think it it seems like the 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 angle of of this ending is that they are both kind of over it right you know like obviously trip would would like this to keep going but he kind of understands what's happening and he's kind of expecting it um i don't think he was necessarily ru- expecting her to run into his arms after she got a, a divorced or whatever
0: yeah <clears throat> so it is it is kind of he's been plying her right like he i don't get the sense that he's just trying to be like a good friend who's spending time with her i get the sense that he's digging to try to figure out where their relationship stands in all of their interactions with each other you know
1: yeah yeah i mean (laughs) i mean if the minute that she uh uh decides that she'd rather marry some guy than be with you i guess you can Mm. probably take a hint yeah um yeah, it is it is an interesting moment cuz yeah, he does play it pretty straight. And uh you know, he yeah, you would think that generally he would there would be some lingering uh, uh uh sadness there, but they don't go that way. It is it is sort of like just she's sort of confirming what he already knows and and they it, they have done a good job I think with these two of believably playing them as two people whose the timing never just yeah. worked out right and there's just kind of nothing they can do about it um whether or not that's true is debatable but right uh but like the the way they they play it fairly adult like like adults which yes. is kind of unique i would say
0: yeah i
1: and I mean, as soon as she finds out she doesn't have Vulcan AIDS anymore. Right. She's just like, get out of here. Open, Which open, I love open. that they just they wrote <laughs> that baby out real quick. One scene. Yep. Yeah. This doesn't seem to exist in you anymore. I don't know what the what the
0: deal is. <laughs> like, what was well, the what was that disease about again? I don't even remember. It's the mind meld. It's mind meld AIDS. It's just a mind meld yeah. STD okay. that you get. Yeah. Yeah. I like Flox's yeah. dismissal too. He's just like, well, you know, you were diagnosed with an incurable disease and now it's gone. So what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna do about this? <laughs> He's a good medical practitioner. I guess um maybe that's a good point to end there and we can tie it into the main storyline. We can always come back to trippin' to Paul. I think Daedalus is an episode that I enjoyed it as I was watching it, and when it ended, and I started to think about it, it's like, wow, that episode wasn't as good as I was as I was enjoying it when it was happening. Uh, did you have a similar experience, or what do you think about this one generally? Um, I liked pieces of it. I, I, I liked
1: it. I liked it as a whole because it was a Star Trek Enterprise episode that didn't end in a gunfight. Yes. And it it, it had feels a very lot more. Track-y. It does. It felt it feels a lot like a T and G episode. Yeah. Actually, uh, which is ironic because we just watched Schisms, which feels kind of like an Enterprise episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I liked it as a whole for that reason. Uh, the The minute they uh, what's his name Emery Erickson, I believe. Emery Erickson. The minute Erickson and his daughter have that first scene. Where she's like, we can't keep lying to them. I knew exactly what was going on. It's like, oh yeah, his son is trapped in the thing, and they gotta have get, you. Okay, have sure. you seen
0: the the blurry monster at that point? I don't think so, right? They, no, they, but they've mentioned no. the son. Yeah, yeah, they
1: mentioned the son was dead, and as soon as they had that moment where she's like, we have to tell them what's going on. I, I knew exactly what was happening. Yeah, uh, so I was I wasn't super like. It's also is the, the father of uh, Icarus. Yeah. yeah, Icarus. Yeah. <laughs> However, I did really like. The, I think the highlight of the episode for me is probably the position that Archer gets put in where he has to kind of make this call. He's got this interesting dilemma where he has to make the call as to what to do with this guy who has lied to him, caused the death of a crew member, but also is presenting this possibility of saving the life of his son who is also Archer, one of archer's best friends yeah. like that's a really interesting ethical position to be in i don't really know if they do as much with it as they might as they could have because it's not the episode is not like about archer's ethical choice or anything yeah. so how much yeah. do you really spend time on that but like the scene with him and to paul and, and trip where they're kind of uh quietly whisper fighting about it i thought was pretty good
0: Um, That's funny because I was going to ask you sort of one of the tracks that I had coming into this is like a way to start the discussion would be Clay I can give this one like there this sits somewhere on our one to five scale I'll give it the higher end if you can explain to me. What Archer is talking about in this episode, because <laughs> I felt that this was just the return of Angry Archer from season three, where he gets pissed oh, off immediately over, in a way that when Tripp and Paul have the confer- have a like a quarter scene with him, and they're like, this guy's lying to us. Like, what the hell are we doing out here? We have to we have to tell somebody. and Archer's like, no no, we're going to go back out there. We're going to find him because there's this person that no one knows about that I was deeply connected with. And I was like, oh, boy, this is not going well. I really didn't like Archer in this episode because it felt like an overt reference to all the bad Archer decisions that he made in the first couple seasons where no one Mm -hmm. is going to explain to this guy, this is not the right way that we're going to be doing this stuff. And he's Angry Archer from season three, just where he... Goes mm. off the handle over what to me does not seem a good reason. And I think that a, a bigger problem here is that I don't really even buy this excuse that Erickson comes up with like, if I told you why we had to come out here, Starfleet wouldn't oh, let no, us come out here.
1: That's total bullshit. Yeah. No, the, the, uh, at the, <laughs> I mean, I could understand. Starfleet not letting them go out there if they told him the truth. But there is absolutely no reason why he can't tell, tell the Archer the truth as soon as he gets on the ship. Sure. You know, yeah. like there's no reason that he needs to lie to him. Um, <laughs> And that scene with him and Trip where he's like, nah, I'll just do it. And Trip's like, no, what if this is my ship? And he's like, nah no nah, i'll just do it yeah, fine. just give me that <laughs> nah, just give me that i said i'd do it it's fine it's not a big deal
0: um it was good awkward a- acting from the two of them there i, I yeah, like that I, scene i like the acting of this episode the acting is the best part to me
1: yeah th- that i guess my problem with that scene though is that i i didn't totally buy the uh uh fanboy element from trip like he's like the reason that that scene should work is because Trip is doesn't want to step on the toes of this guy that he thinks is a genius, you know, a, a genius uh, idol of his, and it never really got there because Trip, to his credit, as soon as the guy's like, ah, I'll just, you know, what, go take a break. He's like, no, <laughs> yeah, this is my job.
0: I don't care who you are. Well, it's it's also the, as I said at the start, the transporter was flawed technology. It would be like a car mechanic being like, you you designed the Pinto holy shit, like, what yes. the, like, it, it's a flawed, it's nowhere near the warp drive that has gotten them around. Like, meeting Zephyr and Cochran, I think, would give an idea of that kind of reaction. It felt forced to me that the transporter guy would inspire such feelings and Trip at the same time.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's as revolutionary a piece of technology as the warp drive, I would say. It is, say. Yeah. yeah. I just don't think it... It
0: it doesn't work
1: as well. Like <laughs>
0: originally, yeah. yeah it's well just, it's
1: like it's like is Zephyrin Cochran invented the Cadillac. Uh Emery Erickson invented the Lincoln, I yeah. guess. The Lincoln yeah. Continental. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, that uh, you know, I didn't mind Archer flying off the handle a bit in that scene mm, because wow. Well, just because this, the like the position he's in is is a really interesting position because he this person that he is a family friend of that he, he that, that he uh has immense respect for lied to him killed one of his crew members and now he's kind of i which is reason enough to be mad plus he's and now he's in this position where he's like well we may as well do something constructive while we're out here instead of just bringing this guy back to go to jail and have to deal with the fact that someone's dead so I I kind of I kind of get the the position the angry position that he's in. Yeah, I don't um, think they
0: executed this. Like I I can understand yeah, your position. It, it, it might be too much. Yeah. It might be too much, but yeah. Cuz cuz I think that once he learns about all of that stuff, I think he's I think I'm calling him angry archer because he's lashing out at Tripp and to Paul in a way that like I understand that maybe Archer's just bad at dealing with his anger at Erickson, but To me, the script only works for Archer if he's angry at Erickson but is a better captain to to T'Pol and Tripp where the anger doesn't spill out in, in that kind of a way because if the anger starts spilling out, I think that you have to write a reason why that would happen in the first place. Like, Archer's anger spreading everywhere should kind of have an impact on the story otherwise it's just these weird scenes where he's yelling at trip in a hallway telling him to do something and it's like well trip's kind of got the right idea like he's been lying yeah we don't know what the hell is going on out here why don't we go back and figure something out and it's i I think just so much of the story is so tenuously held together by these like very flimsy motivations for the characters that are doing things Mm. i think it undermines the biggest weakness to me here is that in contrast to someone like the Zephyrin Cochran character who goes through First Contact and then he's in the Metamorphosis TOS episode, which is a, a really good episode, I don't feel like you settle into anything with Erickson. I walk away going, am I supposed to like this guy? Like, after his yeah. son dies, everyone's kind of cool with him and he's still a little bit of a jerk <laughs> before he beams yeah. off. And it's yeah. like, well, what did, am I supposed to... Is this a tragedy for this character? Or did, did he get over it? Or what? what is this? Yeah.
1: I I think I think what's what is missing here, and it's tough because, like like I said, this is not an episode about ethical dilemmas, really. At least on Archer's from Archer's point of view. But I think what's missing is you don't really get a great sense of the relationship between Archer and this guy. They have like one scene. You, they're kind of fighting, right? You've, you're fighting for screen time because you've got. Uh, erickson's relationship with trip and then you've got erickson's relationship with archer and they're both kind of occupying similar space right uh so you don't really get enough time to to explore either one of them and make those relationships matter to the plot so much yeah so that's why you end up getting a lot of like dialogue stuff where it's like oh yeah you and my brother were best friends when uh, before my brother died in that freak accident or something. Uh, also, does nobody know how the brother died?
0: Right, because you know what happened to him. Where's the body?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, or if if they know, shouldn't they be a little bit wary of any more uh, experimental yep. transporter things this guy wants to do in deep space? I, I imagine oh, it's, it's no, not knowing. i It's not a big deal. I just want to go back out to the scene of where my son died and uh, try some new technology out <laughs> to see. I, I don't know, is if I can transport an orange fifty light years away.
0: Because he has gone out there multiple times, right? Because Archer mentions that he realized this, he'd lied because there was a log from a research ship that went out there and experienced the same thing with him they found that little oh, blurry sure. monster thing yeah. so he well that was
1: that was the moment that i kind of enjoyed because when when trip comes to archer to tell him what's going on Archer's is like yeah yeah, yeah yeah i know i, know. I figured <laughs> it out too <laughs> so archer archer's on board pretty quickly like there's no real pushback about what's actually going on the whole the whole facade comes down refreshingly quickly honestly where it's like once trip comes to archer and archer's like yeah the next scene is erickson going
0: like got me got me sorry guys we're already out here we're in the Barrens or whatever but like compared to compared to like the i think his name is daystrom and the ultimate computer right like i i think that episode did a better job of taking an approach on this scientist who It's not the same story, but it's a scientist who, like, won't give up on his dream, really. And it's like there's a tragedy in the fact that he is incapable of seeing the flaws in his design and it leads to this tragedy everywhere else where the Enterprise is, like, firing on other ships because the other ships are in a war game with it and they don't realize that Mm -hmm. it's acting for real. This one, like, the other thing that this reminds me of, and not in a good way, is The Visitor, right? Because it's a father who loses his son and tries to get him back. But where The Visitor is like one of the top five Star Trek episodes of all time, this one doesn't even really try to go into the relationship or like the the feeling of loss, really. It it never translates that the reason that Erickson is out there is because he can't get over it. And I think it's because of the way that he's just kind of written, semi-written as like a little bit of a jerk and nothing ever... Nothing ever comes to it. I'll throw it to you just by saying it even comes down to the fact that when the ending scene where they've found Quinn and they're trying to rescue him and Fox is going like he's dying, like nothing can be done, and he's stuck in the transporter beam, I am shocked that the way they decided to end that was to have the physical version of him appear and fall to the ground. I thought they were just going to be like, let, you have to let him go, and the transporter would be yeah, going to just too. fade away, and that would be the end of it. And it's kind of like yeah. metaphorically letting go of this hazy thing that he's never really had a grip on. But they bring him back. He just collapses on the thing. And then they run up, and he's like, Dad? Dad, what happened? He's like, you're <laughs> dead, son. And then he, then he dies. And it's like, this is strange... It's just a strange they gave no moment for that character to display any kind of I could never I couldn't accomplish what I needed to accomplish and I lost my son because of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, they get the closest they kind of get with
1: that is that final scene where he's like, "Well, I came out here to bring my son home and I guess technically I'm doing that," but yeah. but they don't really go into it too much. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting episode cuz it's it's got a lot of potential for some kind of good character conflict but yeah it never quite kicks it up enough like even after they find out what's going on when the the daughter whose name escapes me uh goes to talk to archer there's not really a lot of animosity there she's like ah we should have told you i'm sorry And he's like yeah don't worry about it it's your dad's in trouble though. Yeah. It's like, it, it's just, yeah, it, it falls. It rings a little hollow in some places. And like, they have a, they have a good setup for a scene where, uh, Erickson is, says to trip the thing about, you know, losing people that you're close to. And then trip comes back with talking about his sister and stuff. Yeah. But that's only like a couple lines and it doesn't really amount to a ton. Um, yeah. Like it would have been interesting if they had another scene where Trip is like, I don't know, would I bring her back if I had the chance? What what lengths would I go to? You know, yep. I said I wouldn't hurt anybody, but who's to say, really?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's. And then he looks over and reads like I'm just trying to eat lunch.
0: So <laughs> I-, <laughs> I um. It's funny, because while I was watching it, I think I was pulled in, as you were saying, by the sense that I was like, oh, this really feels like a Star Trek episode. This, yeah, there's like yeah. a... In some ways, it's cliche, because it's the inventor who comes on board, and he has done something wrong, and he's going to try to fix it. Um, I was like... I guess an inter- maybe, maybe an interesting question for you is, I don't like the way Archer handles this here, but... Is it insightful to compare and contrast to how the other captains would handle this thing? Like, what, what's interesting to me, like, if I say, if this was a Picard show and Picard was mm-hmm. the captain of this ship, I think that Picard is in some ways better equipped to draw the point of Erickson out of the character than Archer is. Like, there's a... Picard being this, like, paragon of virtue... Mm-hmm thing would bring a little bit more attention to what Erickson has done. You know, like I, I can see him being a, like, I I don't think I like the, the familial relationship between Archer and this guy because I think it undermines mm. any kind of criticism Archer can have of him in a way sure, that Picard yeah. would be able to actually question this character. I think Kirk is kind of the same way and it, it, maybe it's just a familial yeah. thing, but I, I see those captains as more incisive in seeing a guest star character come on and they are able to highlight for the audience what the conflict is there and it helps Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think and I wonder if this is a is a problem with modern t- I don't want to say modern TV cuz that's a broad like it just it just feels very easy and kind of a trope of modern television that there's so many people in this show that have some sort of connection to Archer, you yeah. know, it's yeah. like he's got everybody small who world, comes in contact universe. with. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like the beauty of Picard was that you could still tell these great stories that were as you're saying kind of enhanced by the fact that Picard didn't have a dog in the fight. Yeah. You know, he's he's just facilitating. And I guess that comes with when you when you get to TNG, the Enterprise is, is such a big ship at this point that he's more of like a like a captain in in the cruise ship sense or yeah. at least he's like a figurehead
0: a, to like he's yeah, above it all or, yeah
1: yeah then he is then the captain in this enterprise which is is more on the same level as everybody else um and i think i think having him have that relationship with these guys does undercut it a bit because like i said it's occupying the same space as the trip stuff <clears throat> oh, excuse me. And if Archer is removed from that personal uh relationship, you can put that focus on Trip and put that uh lean into the uh uh don't meet your heroes type thing combined with the idea that he's trying to get back someone close to him that he lost. Trip has the same thing, but he has these right. lines he wouldn't cross to do that. And then your your uh, uh, objective, quote unquote, captain, can draw more of that stuff out, like you said. Because yeah, I can as soon as as soon as you started talking about it, I was picturing it in my head, and it's like, yeah, Picard, Picard pulls this stuff out and deals with this in a much different way um, that allows these characters to tell this story because he's not connected to them, right? In this show however everybody has a connection to everything especially Archer so you end up getting into these I don't know these stories that are all all hinging on the idea that the reason this is important is because Archer cares about them.
0: Right well the plot's and, enabled because, Ar- because Archer knows this guy is one of the major reasons why he allows the act to continue you know and it's just like i don't find it effective because we don't know these characters i could buy it on a intellectual level but it's like eh, come on like he i don't i don't buy this like i could i i
1: think i think what they would probably if you want to kind of split the difference between uh archer and picard i would say archer's father knew this guy but it's not like they were but it's not like he hung out Archer was hanging out with his daughter at sure. their house or whatever. Yeah. You know, they were colleagues. And my and his father had respect for this guy and his work, but they weren't like buddy buddies or anything. So that way there is some connection, but it's enough it's enough to give Archer some uh um professional courtesy influence. Yeah. I guess influencing his decisions, but not so much that it turns into him having a emotional breakdown about it because they need something for him to do. Yeah.
0: For, for Archer in this episode, I needed him to be more concerned about the ship being in danger than he was like, he's, he's fairly, I know he's upset. All things considered, all things considered, he took the death of that crew member. Pretty good. Pretty like ultimately
1: (laughs) (laughs) he killed, (laughs) they killed a crew member and they (laughs) fucked up to Paul's hand. Did her hand get better? I don't know. She she did they she like, waved off flocks. Yeah. Did they push like silly putty her hand back into the normal shape afterwards?
0: <laughs> At the ending scene, she just puts her grotesque hand on top of Trips, and he's just like, Ew. yeah.
1: Maybe that's why Tripp was fine with it. He's like, you know what? You were. I think we're good here.
0: <laughs> I would. And down to, like, they have the the scene where Trip is yelling at Archer saying, like, if the energy thing had been three feet to the right, he would have hit a photon torpedo and none of us would have been standing here. I it, On the flimsiness of the Archer relationship with Erickson, I have a hard time with Archer continuing to keep the ship in danger for something like yeah. that, where the Picard struggle adds a little bit to the narrative because Picard is dedicated to pulling out of that situation. There's There's more of, like, a sense of, like, there's a trade-off to be made here and mm-hmm. even if Picard ultimately goes along with it it's one of those sequences where Picard is in the seats as the ship is shaking and the Erickson's trying to do something in the background he's like how much longer doctor or something like that this <laughs> doesn't have any of that stuff and i thought it was a bad showing for archer in general that's that's pretty yeah. much the end of yeah. it
1: yeah i uh the only other thing that i wanted to point out is because it was such a jarring choice was in that last sequence when they are trying to pull what's his name Chad Quinn 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 when they're trying to pull Quinn out of the thing they were doing these really weird like zoom shots yes where they would just like zoom in close on Erickson's face a couple times A lot of close it of a very yeah it's not uh you don't you don't notice how how little the zoom lens is used in modern shows until somebody uses it
0: yeah them. the enterprise has been this switch to digital. They are big on close-ups this season. A lot yeah. of close-ups, and got to see those pores, baby. I don't. I don't know if I'm misremembering. I feel the lighting this season is fantastic. I feel that the the ship yeah, looks looks, good. looks great. Um, yeah, it does. When Archer's having that conversation with Quinn, where Quinn is not Quinn. Uh, er, Erickson is in his wheelchair, looking at the camera, sort of at an angle, and Archer's behind him, sitting on the bed. That was lit beautifully looked, looked fantastic it was a, a nice yeah. little mood piece um yeah, i had yeah. one thing i wanted to ask you before we disappear here oh, i was oh, just the the fun bit of um trivia camp that uh all of the side effects that he claims critics has have about the transporter actually turned out to be true in end up coming as star trek <laughs> so like the neurosis <laughs> and things like that and also he mentions the um he just makes the nice meta comment that people He's like some people say when you come out the other end you're not the same person i say balderdash to that and it's like well that's it's a it's a, an argument to be had i think emory i like
1: do they like shoot do they cut over to trip like and have him look like he's never
0: considered that before <laughs> he's like oh <laughs> Holy shit and he's been cloned he would know that's right yeah <laughs> send tr- uh, sim back through the the transporter I guess we're done with that. Some
1: people even say that if you do it right, you can create a secondary version of yourself based on the information that's in that transporter, (laughs) but I don't think so.
0: (laughs) Name him Tom. Shave his face. (laughs) No touching on such things. Um, I Honestly,
1: the thing we have just... We we just watched The Fly for our uh, uh, Patreon. The 58 one, yeah. Yeah, and... uh, when that when he was describing what what happened to his son, I kept uh, I expecting him to be like, and I he went into that into that beam, and, and then it, it, he was there for for a long time, and he came out with a with a f- fly for a head. <laughs> they, we finally caught the tiny fly. We're gonna put it back
0: in <laughs> and bring my boy home. <laughs> Send him in. One weird scene that didn't tie in, and I think they were going for the metaphor, which okay. I understand the metaphor. But um he's obviously been disfigured by working on the transporter when he has those injections into his. His daughter gives him an injection. In the oh back.
1: yeah, yeah. I. Yeah, I yeah. That, I I guess I didn't really think about that, but yeah, that's a good point.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it has. It. I guess it's a physical manifestation of the damage that things of like his son dying have happened, but he's, sure. I, I just, I it ties into the weakness of Erickson to me and that he's not particularly focused on an inventor who's been driven to the brink from his dedication. You know, I, yeah, for me that just a final point for me, I'm, I was very surprised by the ending of this where it's kind of a happy ending. I, I feel he should be kind of shattered by what he's, become and what he's done to these things Mm. but they they trade it as once he gets his son back he's just like well you know um i guess they will just be going back home i i understand to a point
1: the decision to have them actually rematerialize his son only to have him die again but it's like realistically, is that not gonna do more damage than it it's like we did it, we got him oh he's dead again. Shit.
0: That, I thought that I it's thought been, that was cruel and unusual to do yeah. that to him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like he's been living with the idea that well, I guess technically he has been he's been living with the knowledge that his son is out there. Yep. So I guess that's technically not the same thing as living with the knowledge that your son was dead only to have him pulled from you again. But uh I guess the way they the, I i g I would assume the rationalization as is, is that this allows him to finally give have one final goodbye or something, but yeah i was still I was also really surprised that they didn't just have the signal dissipate or whatever
0: last question before we go to final thoughts is the sun in control of what he's doing? ooh, he's clearly hunting uh, ships right because he appears in ships and he's walking around them for some reason why is he touching people if he's in control of things or does he not realize what's going on i i assumed he didn't know what was
1: going on okay uh that it was just you know instinct or something
0: i guess that makes more sense with the dad (laughs) what's happening to me at the end if he's been totally unaware Yeah, yeah okay all right we'll go with that so that's it Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show on Daedalus today. If you want to support the show, this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to support us. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff. There's extra podcasts. We put out a whole bunch last month for Halloween. If this is coming out, this might be December, actually. We, we put out a lot of Thanksgiving <laughs> content, too. <laughs> so you can check that out. Patreon.com <clears throat> slash the Penske file. A couple dollars a month. You get access to 100-plus podcasts. You get to support the show. You feel good about yourself. You ensure that we cover Voyager. Blah, 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 blah. Thank you very much. And as always, our captain-tier supporters, the top tier, get a very special thank you. Samuel Custer, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Andrew Chrola, Cal Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Christian Prowse, Brandon Howells, Michael Pond, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergey, Grim Santo, Sean, Bradley Killins, Dwayne Hackett, Darth Mosk, Ball Thirteen Hero, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell Elwood, Stephen Minton, H twenty eight, Nick the Rat, Derek Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jake 123, Point Extra G, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Johnny Franceschi, Captain Brazen, Eric Sandshon, Jake Keys, gamer, Kevin Lowry, William Schisler, Raheem, Jaffer, Soyland Blues, Zane Majors, Olivier, Pardieu, Dizbrother, Ed Mark Starr, Retail, Grapple John Zorn, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter, ZWNF Remixes, Captain McMunchez, and James McLennan, Beale Jonas, (gasps) Tommy Tango, Tuvix Must Die, Chris McLaughlin, and Mutilated Puppet. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the show.
1: Why did Daedalus make those wings out of wax? Did he not understand how wax works? They had to escape the prison. Yeah, but, like, I mean, I guess... It was all he had. I guess if... I guess if the idea is don't fly too close to the sun. <laughs> so I guess it's Icarus who is really the idiot here, not not Daedalus. Yes. I think Daedalus tells him yeah.
0: not to do it. So it's, yeah. a, it's a little, there's not much similarity to the story other than a father loses a son. I do like the story of Icarus though. I think that's like a, it's a yeah. pretty good tragedy. Like to escape this prison with your son only to have him die in the process is uh, because he
1: doesn't listen to what his dad says to do i don't remember, always
0: listen to your parents i don't remember what the maybe it's not maybe it's just a fable and you don't need to but he doesn't seem to go up and get icarus and sound like come back down here it's, it's too hot up up here this close <laughs> to the sun i don't yeah. know if they get separated or something
1: but yeah i don't remember I, it's it's been too long since i've i've read that
0: let's go to Patreon comments but if
1: kid kid icarus yep on the other hand if you have Nintendo that original game. cartridge, that's a pretty penny yeah. on eBay at this point. I only know that character from the Captain N yep. cartoon show. No, I, excuse I had, me, I had,
0: princess.
1: <laughs> I had never played the game Kid Icarus before, but I knew him from that show. Yep. Uh, and then I think at one point years, years later, I played the game and I was like, oh, this is just like
0: every other Nintendo game, which is not very good. Chris Pratt going to be playing Mario in the new Super Mario Brothers oh boy. movie. Oh boy! Is he going to be is he going to be doing an Italian Mario accent? I hope to God yes. It's animated, so it's not like it's Chris Pratt wearing a a red Mario hat or something like that. Right.
1: I hope to God that they just are. Is the most offensive Italian it. stereotype. Yeah, to. no consideration whatsoever
0: that's what the like there's a there's a guy who's been doing mario's voice for you know 30 years at this point yeah and i feel that he has the i know it doesn't carry the chris like i I guess my problem is if it's chris pratt doing a mario impersonation i don't understand why it has to be chris pratt really like i feel like you're just paying for something i know you want the name on well yeah but it's why do you
1: hire why do you hire vin diesel to play groot you know he's got
0: one line because that that's all the time. that. But that's like, that's like um, South Park in its first season had George Clooney play the dog Stan's dog. That's true. Yeah, and it's kind that of a is, joke. It is, that, that is the joke. Yeah. Yes, uh, this is not that. But anyway, let's go to patron thoughts. If you're a patron at the five dollar and up level, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We only have six here. Matt Ross says. This low rent version of TOS's The Ultimate Computer is only missing the suicidal computer in Space Battle. It also has an almost similar story of Voyager's Jotrell or anytime they can use the magic transporter to fix anything. Rather than feeling sympathy or caring about his incorporeal son, I just want this get to get out of this ponderous story that the other tricks did better. Archer being angry again was bizarre, and I wonder if it was because Bacula noticed a similarity to his prior job. However, that this next beam-up got Quinn, uh, however, that this next beam-up got Quinn home. Two beam-up ghosts out of five. Kyle Barrett says, Daedalus, the most disturbing thing about this episode is that Bill Cobb's Looks very similar to Bill Cosby, although I don't mean to be offensive and insinuate that all Bills look alike. Meeting the creator of The Transporter is fun, but what makes for a good piece of trivia doesn't necessarily make for a good story, because you can easily guess what the entire plot and resolution will be as soon as Quinn is first mentioned. That wouldn't be a problem if the episode's theme of loss, grief, and letting go actually connected to... the connected to the two crew members who have lost family themselves recently rather mm-hmm. than just Erickson, who we don't give the tiniest shit about. Angry Archer makes an unwelcome return for no good reason, Bakula being a, uh, as good at anger as Liam Neeson is at improv comedy. The <laughs> plot is also just so boring and contrived that the entire conceit that uh, the episode is based on that Starfleet wouldn't authorize the mission being bollocks because why wouldn't they, especially when they only realized that there was any danger involved when they got there. One uh, When they realized when they only realized there was any danger involved when they got there. One shot out of sickbay ceiling out of five. Latte Librarian says, after a whole season of being more emotional due to space drugs, T'Pol is now totally calm in the face of her mother's death. Did that mind meld fix that along with her other brain disease? Why does she get two chronic brain issues when everyone else gets zero? Two out of five. Didn't talk about her mother here. I, I... I think I mentioned it. I, I wasn't crazy about the connections to the Kirshara. This was reminding me of how much of a letdown the Kirshara arc was for me. And it's like they should abandon this thing. Also, she's yeah. reading the. If the Vulcans are going to treat this thing the way that they've been treating it, I she needs a copy of that pyramid thing. If she's going to read the Kirshara, it's yeah. not just yeah. reading it on a pad like a Kindle. <laughs> just,
1: she's got the Kindle version. Of it. I mean, every, it was it was in very high demand. So if she was either. It was either wait till they restock the paperback or get the Kindle
0: version. Just save a couple bucks with the Kindle version. Garoppolo well, John you know, Zorn.
1: on in, on Vulcan from this point out, every motel that you stay in, there's a kirshara pointy thing yeah. in the
0: drawer <laughs> in between the beds. Of all the bad transitions, this is Grappler John Zorn, of all the bad transitions from cold open to the theme song, this is the worst. And so is this episode. Do you remember the I transition? Don't,
1: I don't. What is it?
0: It's uh he writes he writes it here but yeah hey! <laughs> it's been a long road it's just it's just Erickson laughing maniacally and it hard oh, cuts to right. the song yes yeah. while well, they're like pushing them down the hallways yeah. yes yes <laughs> I was struck by just the um they don't fade out of the laughter they just cut into the song yeah it's just like wow that was that was hard the direct- I'm telling you between that
1: I think the director of this movie had just watched a bunch of like. 60s low budget road movies, or sure. something where he was like Dennis Hopper movies, where he was getting real. <laughs> how much experimental cutting and filmmaking can I bring <laughs> to this mid season,
0: final season episode of Star Trek Enterprise? Groveler John Zorn says, This is one steaming turd on the transporter pad out of five. Wow. Royo says, I really like the idea of meeting the guy who invented the transporter. Yet another advantage of being a prequel the show failed to take advantage of until now. I even like Emery Erickson grumbling all about the conspiracy theorists he has to deal with as an intellectual, something that is far more relatable today because of the pandemic. I even like the reference to to all that quote-unquote metaphysical chatter about whether or not a person who arrived on the transporter was the same person who left and not some weird copy that happened among the fandom that was even referenced in an episode of Breaking Bad, supposedly used as the explanation as to why Dr. McCoy hates transporters. Funnily enough, they discuss how transporters can make Starfleet obsolete if they had enough range. That's precisely what J.J. Abrams does does in his movie by having khan beam from earth to the klingon homeworld oops i guess we're stuck in the unenviable situation where jj trek is dumber than star trek enterprise three out <laughs> 3.5 out of five final comment nick the rat says daedalus daedalus ghost in the transporter they could have done a lot more with this episode much like i could have done with this comment two out of five thank you very much <laughs> everybody for leaving your thoughts about daedalus Low scores here. A couple ones yeah. bringing down the average of the room. What are you going to give it on our scale of one to five? Mm. <clears throat> also, it's first, tough. I guess we should mention, sorry, uh, first standalone of season four, if you don't count the oh, opening, yeah. opening episode, yeah, which is sort of yeah. coming home. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's tough because I did like that how much it felt like a Star Trek episode, but... Uh, I do agree that it does not do with that uh, as much as you could. So, uh, eh, I mean, I'm going to be noncommittal and say three.
0: Okay. Kodo and Braga say that this is their least favorite episode of the fourth season. Um, Really? Interesting. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it a two. I I think it has – pro. I – Watching it, I was like, Oh, this is a three. I wonder if it's ever gonna to get to a four. But when it was over, I was like, Oh, it was just a straight two. Uh it never mm-hmm. it was faking me out the entire time. I I didn't dislike it. I think it just shows the growth that the show has had in the fourth season where like it seems like it's doing better, even if it's like fundamentally not a better episode, um at sure. its core. I just think it has a lot of weaknesses. It never settles on a the right um theme that it wants to apply it uses archer when as you're saying like trip is the more believable character that should be bonding with him spreads it a little bit too thin it's a knockoff of uh, not a knockoff it does a less good job of doing what the visitor was trying to do it does a less good job of what ultimate computer right. did um i did like that it felt like a star Fewer. trek episode i'm gonna give it a two were good yeah you were good not less good two for me three for clay I think we're done with that episode. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Patreon.com slash The Penske File if you want to support the show there. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go out?
1: Uh, Amanda and I are continuing our coverage of the Friday the 13th series on Patreon. We did Jason X in October, Freddy versus Jason in November, and in December we'll be rounding it out with the remake of friday the 13th i don't know what we're going to do next year because uh hmm. there's no there's no other film franchises that fit so snugly within the the 12 month <laughs> calendar we've all agreed upon for the last few hundred years you have to um, do
0: two six two six partners whatever that would be yeah
1: well it's it, it fits so well because not only were there 12 installments but none of them are on our normal rotten horror picture show yeah. list yeah that's, that's right off. whereas we've already Puppet done master
0: <laughs> how many puppet masters are there
1: well as tw- no i don't think there's 12 puppet masters but uh, uh yeah we're we're also making our way through that list the ever-changing rotten heart picture show list and uh badass will be done by this point yeah um we might be on hiatus but we should be doing at least one or two special episodes before we uh come back with batman beyond
0: sounds good thanks everybody for listening Hope you enjoyed it. Check out everything else on the YouTube channel. Check out blah blah blah, all the other podcasts and everything that Clay mentioned. We're done. The next episode is observer, ob- observer, observer effect, which is another standalone. And there's only, I think there's only two or three in the entire season. So that we're getting close to being the last of the standalones. Observer effect is the next one. How That's many episodes it. do we have left total? We have. I think we're just about at the halfway for season four. Let me see here. Season four. So we are at episode 10. There are 22, but there are two parters in the second half. So we're like halfway.
1: Two parters that we will be covering as one episode. As one episode.
0: Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so that's it. We're almost we're halfway to the end of season 4. It'll go quick. Uh that's yeah. it. We're done. Thank you very much for listening everybody. We will see you later.